0: Hi, this is Eli Nelson, and this is the My City Church podcast. Thanks for tuning in today. It is our prayer that this message will awaken you to come alive in the things of Christ. Enjoy the message. Come on, have me all thankful to be in the house of God this morning? Come on, I'm thankful to be gathering with you today. We're going to continue in today's Sunday gathering. Uh, we're just kind of shifting gears a little bit. Gathering, gathering, Darren says. We're just shifting gears a little bit. Don't don't think of this as like a transition of a moment. As really much as it is, it's just a, a refixing of, of focus. And, and what I've learned from however many years I've been coming to church, not to say anything to that, like that has any significance or any kind of badge of honor that you're going to get, nothing to do with that, But what I've learned is that sometimes we just need to come together as a body of believers. We did this for our team this morning that serves each and every week. And we kind of had each other like, hey, like we need each other. Oh, 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 we need each other. What song is that? I don't know. Uh, Now, (laughs) uh, hey, but I'm just excited to be gathering with you all today. I believe that there's an, a, a word of encouragement that the Holy Spirit wants to impart to His church today. And so it, it's nothing about a moment or about this is this is just a transition of an encouraging word that I believe that through a vessel that is available to God that wants to impart into His people, His people being my city church gathered here together today. And I want to be able to share with, with you this, this, this message today. So if you have your Bibles, open up now I, I'm gonna need my notes here today because I'm gonna read off of that real quick. And thanks, Caleb. Thanks, Caleb. Open up today. We're gonna be reading. Man, I, I switched up my notes at the be- at the last minute, so we're gonna be reading out of yeah, First Corinthians. That's the first one that I have. First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-six. 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty-six. I encourage you to read the Bible. As, as much as I can implore you to do. Read the Bible. Don't don't just go to church. Don't just listen to, to K-Love, Positive Encouraging, and all that stuff. Read something that actually transforms you, and that's the Word of God. The Word of God will transform you. Get into it on a daily basis, whether it be five minutes, a few minutes, uh, 30 minutes, whatever that may be. That's the one book that you read that you don't read that actually reads you. And really, this message that I'm sharing with you today is 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 a combination of of several books of the bible actually and it's uh man i i can't give this to you yet because you can't take notes and read the bible at the same time but uh, uh i'll give it to you it's, it's from ephesians and in, in colossians and it's kind of this 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 narrative that paul carries throughout all of his writings and it's this idea of us fully walking in what god has for us and that's what we're talking about when it comes to awakening your purpose. It's is not going through the motions. It's not checking off a box. It's actually seizing everything that God has for you. And so uh, we're reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. I'm reading out of the NIV, NIV version. It says, Brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Last week we talked about your purpose is Calling. If you haven't had the opportunity to listen to that, I encourage you to do so. That it starts in steps, in the stages of your life, and, and it starts with knowing God, and, and everyone's at different stages of that, of knowing God, and I wanna encourage you to, to listen to that, kind of get a context of this next step, because this is what happens is, people will hear this message, and they'll immediately think that, oh, this is how I apply my calling, but you're taking it out of context. This message is in the same vein Of last week's message. So make sure that you have the context of that before you dive into this. Think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. Everyone say, that's me. That's me. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Say, that's me. God chose the lowly things of this world And the despised things and the things that are not to nullify the things that are. See, that's me. So that no one may boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus. Who has become for us wisdom from God. That is our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Not in yourself, not in your own thing, not in what you're doing. Paul's giving you a context. When you're walking in your calling and you're walking in your purpose, let him who boasts, not boasts in accomplishments or his influence, but boast in the Lord. I don't care if you got 5 million followers on that Instagram. You're boasting in the Lord. I don't care if you got all the money in the bank as to purchase islands in the Pacific. You're boasting in the Lord. I don't care what you achieve on earth. You're here boasting in the Lord. Last week I said I was going to give you some steps on how to find your unique calling, your unique gifting. You know, Jesus knew his. He said, for this reason I was born. And for this reason I came to testify to the truth. He he talks about that in the book of John. And for some of us, we would love to be able to know that. God, for this reason, iron was born. For this reason, Grant is here on earth, right? For this reason, Christine showed up on a Sunday. Everyone wants to know for this reason. And I want to be able to give you some tools on how to discover your unique calling, your unique purpose. I don't think any one person can say that over you or to you. I think it's actually for you to discover on a journey with the Lord. And I want to be able to give you some tools to be able to unlock that today. If you're taking notes, write this down today. We are talking about unique discontentment. Unique discontentment. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, do what you do best, and that's transform us. Speak to us. Let this not be a message that goes in one ear and out the other, God, but let this be something that actually uh, penetrates into our our soul. God, we thank you that your word is sharper than a double-edged sword. Devise soul and spirit, bone and marrow. God, speak to us today. God, any preconceived notions of what we have when it comes to walking in our calling and our purpose, God, we leave them at the door. We say, may we know from you truly what our purpose and our calling is today. God, And some people, they're going to be getting steps today. Help them to not take this message out of context and apply it in a worldly way, God. But I pray that you would help them to apply it in a godly way that honors you, Lord. We love you and we thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Right now, church, open up your hands and say these words after me. Say these words. Say, Lord, speak to me. I'm listening in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Let's put our hands together for Jesus this morning. Come on. Hey, hey. All right, so now that you have a chance to write down some notes, if you're not taking notes in here, I encourage you to take some notes, uh, write it on your phone, uh, write it on a piece of paper. Uh, this message is derived from uh, Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. That's Ephesians 1, 15 through 21, primarily that Paul says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. And then also Colossians, well, that's Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. I just took a middle passage out of that. But uh, Colossians 1, 9 through 12, it says, uh, I'm just gonna read a part of it. Uh, we continually ask God to fill you, Paul's saying this, to fill you with the knowledge of his will. How many of you wanna know the will of God for your life, right? Let me see a show of hands, amen, right, amen. So I, I say that I say that because... Um, it's important to give context to something like this because people can just take it out of context and uh, apply it to their lives. And if if they do, if they apply this message directly without knowing that first, you got to have God at the forefront of your pursuit, um, you're going to find that everything that you pursue in life is going to leave you feeling empty, right? So, uh, just just to kind of lay the foundation of this message today, how many of you um, currently have? Uh, uh, a warning or indicator light uh, on in your vehicle that you've just kind of ignored. <laughs> hey, I had one for about 2,000 miles. Okay, that's because I bought the, the, the Mobile One oil changes things, and it said good for 10,000 miles. And I marked when I changed the oil filter on my car because every real man knows how to change their oil. Let me hear the men in here. All right, all the real men changing their oil. And my car said, you need to change your oil after 8,000 miles. I said, no, 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 no. I bought a 10,000 mile filter. It said, good for 10,000 miles. I'm gonna get my money's worth. And so for the next 2,000 miles, my car continued to remind me saying, hey, there's a problem. There's a problem. And if let ignored for too long will become a significant problem. I'm talking to you today about unique discontentment. Unique discontentment is a God-given, incessant, unique agitation caused by a specific issue or issues. Let me say that again. Unique discontentment is a God-given. Say God-given. God-given. That means he gave it to you. Duh, thank you, Pastor like? It's incessant. It's unique. It's a unique agitation caused by a specific issue. The problems that agitate you the most are most likely the problems you were called to solve. Did you ever think of it that way? The thing that, what gets under your skin? Crawling in my skin! Hey, thank you, right, right, what gets under your skin, right, that's a Linkin Park song, Um, what gets under your skin, for me, I, I believe I've, I'm slowly starting to realize this idea of unique discontentment, and I've realized that, my, uh, my passion and my desire shortly was revealed to me after I encountered the Holy Spirit and he changed my life, lifted my burden and set me free in Jesus' name. I found that I had a burden to help other people not walk in what I was walking in. That's depression, that's suicidal thoughts. And it was this level of, I know God, but I deny the power of God. It's that I know about God, but I don't know about his transformative power. It's that I know God, but there's many people that know about God, but they don't actually know God. And I believe my unique discontentment is to help people people realize that there's so much more to God than you may know. And that he's more than just a Sunday checklist, more than just a religious obligation. He's a person that walks alongside you. He's in front of you, he's behind you, he's to your right, he's to your left. He walks with you. He's not some far distant person out in the future. He's a person that's willing to walk with you right here. And I believe my unique discontentment is to help people realize that. Because there's nothing that really gets under my skin more than a person that professes to know about God, but doesn't really know him. And when I say under my skin, don't think of it as like a frustration. Think of it as more of a calling, like how can I help resolve that? How can I help solve that? So here's some examples of like unique discontentment. Maybe you're watching TV and you see some poverty-stricken children around the world and For some of us, you may watch it, and then the moment it changes, the next you maybe change the channel, or maybe the commercial's over, or you you just continue to go on without your life with your life. And for for some people, that really actually agitates them. That there's people around the world that are starving, that they they don't want to just. They don't want to just watch something and feel bad. They actually want to do something about it. So they can't help but to make the donation. They can't help but see how they can get a part of the organization and support the organization that's solving the problem that gets under their skin. Maybe it's, maybe it's you, you, you encounter someone that you know doesn't know Jesus. When I say know Jesus, they haven't chosen to follow Jesus. And you can't help but share the light and the love of Jesus Christ with them. Maybe that's called the the the, the the gift of evangelism and I believe that all of us are to have that to some extent, but it just it, it drives them absolutely bonkers at the fact that someone could be sitting next to them on an airplane and not know Jesus, maybe you have uh, something that gets under your skin when you see abused animals and and not only do you, when you hear about it, you don't just like, oh, man, that's, that's horrible. But you're actually wanting to do something about it, and you're, you're willing to open up your home, or you're willing to take in abused animals to help them, to, to, to help them feel like loved. And, and by the way, that's a biblical context a verse to be able to show care for the animals that God has entrusted from you. It's in the book of Proverbs. Read it. Check it out.
1: Maybe you have
0: a, a heart for people that are in prison, Maybe you've encountered some loved ones that are in prison. And and I'm not talking about just something that, oh, yeah, that kind of stinks. But it's like, no, like, there's something that is wrong with this, and I need to help solve the problem. That's the unique discontentment that I'm talking about. So when we carry these agitations personally, though, what we find is we tend to judge people that do not carry the same heart towards that as we do. And so we always got to be careful as believers that when we feel that we have a certain bent towards solving a certain world issue or problem that we see that is present in our day and age, that we do not judge someone thinking that they don't care as much as you do. Maybe they just have a different, unique discontentment. And maybe it's not always about everyone else thinking what you think and doing what you want to do. Maybe it's more about what are you going to do about the discontentment that you feel. Many of us are going around trying to convince other people of the problem that we see, and we never actually do anything about the problem that we feel. See, these are not things that with one of us at any moment that when we see something wrong with the world, we just pass it by. These unique discontentments are things that actually feel like they walk with us. You want to know your calling. You want to know your purpose. Maybe it is unlocked when you actually start going after solving the problem that you see in this day and age. So when we run, what we see is th- this, this danger that we, that we come against is that we do not see something that we are going against as unique. And so we think everyone else should be doing something pr- about this problem in, and what we do is we run the risk of denying that very thing that is inside of us that we carry on a daily basis. It's denying the very self and robbing the world of the possible unique impact that we're called to make. And the very thing that we are called to give the world, we often ignore. And the problem is, is this is a lot like your check engine light. That if you ignore it long enough, it will start to eat away at your soul. And you will have the choice either to numb out or to do something about it. And what I found is majority of people, I'm saying like 95% of people in this world have learned to numb out to their unique discontentment. So what they do is they numb out and then they get irritated about other people that Aren't doing things about what they really feel. And so we go around trying to convince other people, do you see this problem? And the problem with trying to get other people to support you and carry your unique discontentment as well is that it will either derail you or discourage you because they don't carry the same motivation that you carry, that unique discontentment that was possibly placed on you by the Holy Spirit. What did we read? Not many of you were noble. Not many of you were influential. Not many of you were wise. And so what we do is we wait until we become noble before we do something. We wait until we become influential before we do something. We wait until we become wise before we do something about our unique discontentment. And what I found is that you will never do anything about it. If you're waiting for other people because your motivation now is based on their sympathy rather than upon your inward tenacity, it can't be based off of someone else well, someone else just comes lock and step with me. What I found is as you move towards it, you find those people. You find those people that come lock step with you. So you just got to go after it. story of a man with unique discontentment in the Bible is a man by the name of Nehemiah. I'm pointing that at Clyde because he's like, Clyde's favorite guy in the Bible is Nehemiah. And uh, I wrote down Nehemiah and I immediately thought of Clyde and Nehemiah was a man who was serving the most powerful man in the world, Artaxerxes of Persia. And he just got word that his hometown in Jerusalem, the walls had been torn down and the place is desolate. He knew, but he didn't know how bad it was. And he got word and it broke his heart so much so that it started to affect his countenance. You know, there's like heartache that we can fake and we can smile through. But then there's heartache that no, nothing can quite medicate. And you can go around trying to put on a front with a smile saying that everything's fine. But deep down inside, you know that you have a unique discontentment. Why wasn't anyone else doing about, anything about the walls that were torn down? Doesn't matter what anyone else was going to do. What was Nehemiah going to do? So Nehemiah's face is downcast and he goes before the king Not, not purposely, but he's just his heart broken, and the king notices because when you're close to people, they actually notice what's going on. And he's never been like this. The Bible says he's never been like this before the king before. And the king kind of asks him a question. He says, "Why are you downcast? What's wrong, Nehemiah?" And he says, "Uh, "Nothing. I I can't really do anything about it, King." He was trying to. He says, "This isn't appropriate," but he, he he praised the king. He said, "Lord, long live the king." Basically. But how can I be rejoicing when my homeland is in turmoil? Basically, before he went to the king, he was praying for favor that he'd be able to ask the king that he could go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. What did he find? He made up in his mind, I am going to do this. He started seeking favor from the king, which the Lord granted. He didn't wait. Once he got to Jerusalem, he didn't tell everyone. Guess what I'm here to do, guys? Because some of us, what we do is we shout it from the rooftop. The moment that we start moving towards our unique discontentment, we shout it from the rooftop, and what that does is it nullifies your motivation. It nullifies your power. I'm going to lose 20 pounds. How about you let your actions and your results show the response, right? How about you let your actions and your results show the progress, not your words, right? So that's what he did. Some of us, what we do is we tell everyone, I'm going to lose 20 pounds, this is what I'm going to do in my life. and So what are you looking for, really, from that? That's a real question. You're just looking, really, what you're looking for, for someone to support you in that endeavor. Come on, man, you can do it. And sometimes you get around some really critical people, and how are you going to do that? <laughs> Bro, <laughs> just let, hey, just, like, come on, man, good good for you. Right? <laughs> All right, sometimes you have that, and and what I found in, in life is you're better off just being quiet and letting your results show. Right? You're going to do something about it, you don't got to tell people. So what he does is he goes around Jerusalem and he starts walking around the walls and he said, I hadn't yet told anyone in my heart what God put upon me to do. And then what he found is he started rallying people together and he started going after the unique discontentment that God placed him in the heart. Something extraordinary happened. This is, this is a, a feat that is phenomenal to accomplish they rebuilt the wall of jerusalem in 52 days some of us can't start a habit for a week and that's not a, that's me that's me i'm not i'm not putting anyone down right like that's me like i'm going to pray you didn't need to tell me that how about you just pray right 52 days they rebuilt the wall. This is an example of someone in the Bible, and there's plenty of people that went after their unique discontentment. What I'm proud about to say about Nehemiah is that he did not let it just eat him up on the inside, but he did something about it. There's a man by the name of William Wilberforce. Who all knows who William Wilberforce is? Let me see, a hand, show of hands. Sorry, it's just more of a revelation of this phenomenal man that changed arguably the world in regards to slavery that, frankly, apparently we don't teach much about. And I want to be able to share with you a man who, through a God-given discontentment, unique discontentment, changed the world. William Wilberforce was wealthy. He was in England. He went to St. John's College outside of Cambridge. Uh, He went into politics as a young man and uh, he spent over, this was back in like the early or late 1700s, he spent $500,000 of his own money in order to get elected into parliament. Who knows how much that is today? It's probably like $5 billion, right? All right. So in his own words, he said this, the first years in parliament, I did nothing, nothing to any purpose. How many of you have felt that with your life at some point? He said, my own distinction was my darling object. Basically, it was... It was my, own, my, my focus was just about me being distinct in Parliament, right? But then one night, shortly after he got saved, he had what many would refer to as a dark night of the soul, where there was something that was going on, a unique discontentment that he had to address. He had to do something about his life, not for himself, but he found out for the glory of God. A few years later, later William Wilberforce encountered a man named Thomas Clarkson, who was an abo- abolitionist. Clarkson believed the forced enslavement of human beings was a moral blight on the world. And Wilberforce quickly came to the same conclusion. More than that, Wilberforce became determined to confront the evil of slavery. To use language from earlier, what he says is he says, the injustice and immorality of the slave trade drove him crazy. It was a unique discontentment. See, many of us in our Western society, we believe that America abolished slavery. No, I mean, it's a real thing, still present in today's day and age. But this is the late 1700s, right? This is before the Civil War. And we're seeing that there was one person who had a unique discontentment, and he decided to do something about it. Not blaming other people, not wondering what anyone else is going to do, he's going to do something about it. In his own words, he said, so enormous, so dreadful, so irredeemable. I can't, I, I pronounced this word this morning so many times and now I can't remember how to pronounce it. So I'm just not, it was, it was uh, uh, plausible. I can't, I can't speak right now. Lord, help me, right? He said, the, the wickedness of the slave trade appeared that my own mind was completely made up for abolition. Let the consequences be what they would. I, from this time, determined that I would never rest until I had effectively Abolished slavery. True to his word, he got to work. In 1789, Clarkson and Wilberforce introduced 12 separate resolutions against the slave trade in Parliament. All 12 were defeated. As with America, slavery was a major foundation of the British economy. and The tentacles of those who benefited from that trade ran deep within both the government and the private sector. Still, Wilberforce pressed forward. He introduced more resolutions in 1791. They were also defeated. He introduced still more in 1970, 1792. Those were defeated also. Wilberforce kept going. He authored new legislation proposing to cancel the slave trade in 93, 97, 98, 99, 04, and 05. This is like 17. I'm not talking about 19, right? <laughs> 17, right? All of these were voted down. I can't help, but can you imagine how he wanted to give up at this point? some 15 years later. Now, he wasn't personally impacted by slave trade, but he probably knew people that were. It's not like he hadn't tried, right? He had devoted decades of his life to this cause. He trashed his reputation among many in the sophisticated society by continuing to focus on this issue. He jeopardized his own career. And I'm sure there were people in his ear advising him to focus on something else. You tried, William. Let it go. But that's just it. Wilberforce could not let it go. Why? Because it was his unique discontentment. He was driven, not just by personal convictions about right and wrong, but by his unique discontentment. In some ways, he couldn't help it. Had to go after it. He had to address the problem he was created to solve. And we find, finally, in 1807, William and his allies broke through Parliament, passed a law making the slave trade illegal within the British Empire. It's hard to overstate the magnitude of that moment, but it was life-changing for millions of people in many ways. That law was the death knell for legalized slavery around the world. Even so, Wilberforce kept working. His next goal was making sure that the new laws were in force, which was no small task. Then he spent another decade seeking the abolishment not just of the slave trade, but of the slavery itself. He worked towards winning legal freedom for those who had previously been sold as slaves. And we find in 1833, Wilberforce died just three days after learning that Parliament had passed the bill to finally and officially abolish slavery in the British Empire. You can put your hands together. That's incredible. That's incredible. The fact that he died just three days after hearing that his unique discontentment was resolved. Now, you may not be William, but you are you. You're not of noble birth, not wise by human standards, maybe not influential. I don't know. I don't know your Instagram or TikTok following But God wants to use you. He wants to use you. Not that you may boast in what you did, but that Christ can get the glory. So what I found is that many of us want to see a difference in the world, but not many of us are willing to be the difference that we want to see. And what I want to encourage you in today is to step out knowing that God is fully behind you. That if you... Believe and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is with you and is for you. You don't need to wait for God to tell you what to do, but to, you need to go in the strength that you have. Start small. Doesn't have to be big. God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go around the world and, and feed 500,000 people. Start with feeding one. Write this down. Write this down. Start small or you will not start at all. Start small, or you will not start at all. You got to do something. This is what I say. Do what you can until you are able to do what you want. Do what you can until you're able to do what you want. Wilberforce understood that it was incremental. If you started with complete abolishment, it probably never would have happened. But as little by little, the changing of flags on ships. Do what you can until you're able to do what you want. What does that mean? Make the donation. Volunteer for that organization. Start taking the guitar lesson. Speaking to myself here. <laughs> Start the business. Hire the employee. It's okay if you don't have a plan to end world hunger or to end human trafficking, that plan will come. But it won't come if you don't start now. It will never come if you don't start to do something now. You gotta start somewhere. In my short time here on Earth, I've, I've seen a lot of people come and go. I've seen a lot of people burn like a, a fire and burn out. And I've seen a lot of people die physically in their 80s but die purpose their purpose dies when they're 30 and I need you to understand today and this is what I said last week and I'm going to beat it like a dead horse I don't even know why that's even a saying it doesn't even make sense to me why? why would you do that? but I said it last week I'm going to say it this week that if you're not dead God's not done. You can start today. If you used Moses when he was 80 and Abraham when he was well into his 90s, 100, he certainly can use you. Say that, say that. God can use me. Do you believe that? Say that again. Say God can use me. Say this, say God wants to use me. Sometimes you need to be reminded of that. Sometimes you need to remind yourself of that. Sometimes we're singing, I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. And we're sitting around and we're singing that. Well, why are we talking about me? Because sometimes I gotta be reminded who I am. Who I am in Christ it's not about me but I got to remind myself why because sometimes inside of me there's a war going on am I the only one my only one that feels like I got to go after something in my life but I also feel like something's holding me back Am I the only one in here that feels like I got a purpose inside of me, I got a calling that God wants to use me for, but there's that thing inside that keeps saying you're not going to do anything good, you're not significant, you're not influential, God's not going to use you, God can't use you. Am I the only one that feels that way at times? See what I found is you let those little things inside of you speak louder than the Word of God. That is supposed to speak inside of you. That's why you got to get in the word of God. You let those little demons in your head. Some of you got to confront those. Some of you got to address those. Some of you got to change your thinking. You got stinking thinking. I'm not any good. Yeah, you know what? You are no good. But thanks be to God. Yeah, on, right? Yeah. This is what I do. The devil comes in and says, God can't use you. <laughs> You're right can't use me yeah. but he can use Christ in and through me yeah. Amen. so this is what I'm going to do yeah. I'm going to let that perf- imperfect side of me I'm going to let it out and sometimes I got to stop agreeing with the voices in the back of my head and you do too God can't save that person God can't change that marriage you can't do that you can't turn it around you're nothing but a I don't know who this is for. You're nothing but a foster kid. Your parents abandoned you when you were young. You think God could use you? What's your definition of success? Of significance? Are you letting the world define what you were called to solve? You gotta get the car! You gotta get the house! You gotta get the glory, the gold, the girls, guys. Gotta get it all. What's your definition? Is it something the world has put upon you on what it looks like to be successful? This is what I found. Is that if you have something beating in your heart that you're called to fix, that is your definition of success. Now keep this in context of last week's message. Don't take this out of context and apply it just like this. But when you have last week in context, you can follow the desires of your heart. Well, the heart is wicked; it's deceptive. Above oh, all, no. When I've given that over to the Lord, I can trust that the steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. I can trust that, so I don't got to go around and ask, God, what do you want to do about the brokenness in the city? God, you got to do something about the brokenness and the depression and the suicide. God, you got to do something. No, I feel like God is saying to me, and God is saying to you today, what are you going to do about it? So that's why we're doing Hear the Sound. Hear the Sound. We're doing a worship night at the Gene Leahy Mall, June 16th, opening day of the College World Series. Haven't heard about it? Be there it's got nothing to do with and people people are always set on judging things the wrong way what I found, haters gonna hate hate, 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 hate players gonna play, play, play you just gotta shake, shake, shake <laughs> he's gonna keep going, how far is he gonna take us alright, we gotta close, so stand on your feet here because <laughs> I'm just gonna keep going alright, so that's why we're doing here the sound. And we'll bring it down just a little bit, Chris, here. You can take that kid. That's why we're doing here the sound. Frankly, I've gotten a lot of feedback. That's a great idea. Did you like did God like give you a dream? No. I've been praying like that, God would do something in the city and during the College World series. Did God tell you Did, what, where'd you go? I didn't get no direction from the Lord. All I got was a question. What are you gonna do about it? Literally said, Why aren't you doing anything during the College World series? Okay. Not many of you were influential, not many of you were of noble birth, not many of you were wise by human standards. But God chose the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And so we're stepping in the Gene Leahy Mall on June 16th. And this is what I'm believing is gonna happen. I'm I'm believing that the unique discontentment that God has placed divinely inside of me is going to shift the atmosphere of this city. That people's hearts Will turn towards the Lord and I'm gonna see suicide break off of people. We're gonna see depression break off of people. We're gonna see people that were looking to traffic human beings that night step in the middle of that mall, encounter the presence of the Lord, and say, I don't want to sit no more. That's what I'm believing for, and this is what I've this is what I've set my heart on. This is what I'm doing. I ain't gonna go around and be like, who's gonna go? Who's gonna go with me to the mall? What are you gonna do about it, Danny? No, 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 no. I'm gonna sit, I'm gonna walk around the wall, and be like, okay, God. I see this. Oh, 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 you didn't get this. God didn't say anything to Nehemiah. Nehemiah just saw a problem, and he went to go fix it. Some of you have been waiting on God. Some of you have only been giving part of your life to your purpose, waiting for more direction. I feel like God's saying that if you would just step out just a little bit more, things will start to make sense. some of you have been waiting for God to repair your marriage if you would just step out just a little bit more trust her a little bit more forgive him a little bit more some have been waiting on God don't get me wrong, people are their own people and they, have, they make their choices, right can't do anything about a wayward son can't do anything about a wayward daughter you can pray, love on them, God's got them, keep praying for them, keep calling out to God for them, but it might not look like what you thought it was going to look like, for some of y'all need to hear this, Danny's probably going to have to come and take this mic out of me because I'm just in a groove right now and I just want to keep going, right, so some of you parents need to hear this, when Samson went and he wanted a Canaanite woman, which was against the Israelite code, you weren't allowed to do that. His parents were appalled. How could you do this to the family? You're doing all this stuff. This is, you can't go and marry a Canaanite. You're supposed to marry an Israel woman. And the Bible has this little sentence in there. He said, They did not know that this was of the Lord because God considered and wanted a conflict with the Canaanites. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What we are called to do is be obedient. Let him work the outcome, right? So I feel like we're in this place right now and I need to pray for some people. But before we do, I want to give a moment if you're in this place and you don't know who Jesus is. If you don't know who Jesus is, I want to be able to introduce you to him. He's the light of the world. He's the savior of my life of many people's lives in here. He brought me from brokenness to wholeness. Set me free, repaired my soul. I was a broken person far from him. Wanted to end my life, kill myself. God stepped in in the moment, turned my life around. That was my story. That might not be your story, but it might be something similar in some regard. You may be far from God. So if you're in this place and you're saying, Pastor Eli, that's me. Hey, I got good news for you. You're just a prayer away. In just a moment, I want to ask you to lift up your hand because I want to know who I'm praying for and I want to pray with you today. And so if you're feeling like, Pastor Eli, that's me. I want to give my life over to Jesus. I want to trust Him with all that I have. If you've been far from God, running from Him, or you've never given your life over to Him, today's your opportunity. Would you lift up your hand on the count of three? One, two, three. Shoot up your hand. Shoot up your hand. Shoot up your hand. See your hand. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If this message encouraged you, help us get the word out. Consider sharing it with a friend, rating, or subscribing. If you want to know more about our church, check out our website at mycitychurch.cc or our Instagram at mycitycentral. We look forward to sharing another encouraging word with you next week. God bless.